Thank you so much for joining us for our fifth and final installment in our series, It's Complicated. Uh, before I introduce today's topic, I want to just encourage you not to miss out on our brand new series starting next Sunday. We've titled it Anchored in the Storm. We believe that this current season is an incredible opportunity for us to step back a little bit and to evaluate what it is that we truly believe. And not just theoretically, but, but to our bones. And I believe that when we, uh, what we believe lines up with how we behave, uh, we can experience an anchoring that is solid and consistent regardless of our circumstances, uncertainties, um, or all types of storms. So I believe that you'll be encouraged. You'll probably be a little bit challenged and stretched, but I believe it's worthwhile. So don't miss out on this brand new series starting next Sunday. Today, uh, we are wrapping the series up a little bit differently, and it's my great pleasure to introduce to you pastors Jimmy and Irene Rowland. They lead I-5 City Church in Baltimore, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. They are a remarkable couple leading an incredible church. Um, and I say remarkable not just because of what they're achieving through the church, but because as individuals, uh, I'm not sure if I've met a couple in ministry that are more real, more raw, more honest about not just their past, but even their present, as you'll find out in a few moments. And I just thought, uh, who better to interview and chat with than the two of them uh, for just some of the chaos that this COVID season is causing in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships. Um, and you'll see in a few moments that uh, there's a reason that they have um, already learned and applied principles in their lives from past uh, seasons of pain and struggle. I believe you're going to be encouraged, so please lean in, uh, take note. I think you're going to find this inspiring. Pastors Jimmy and Irene Rollins from I-5 Church in, uh, well, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. We are so grateful uh, to have you guys with us. Um, I know that you are super busy. Uh, you're dealing with your own family and church and response in your community. So thank you so much for uh, yeah, just taking some time out to be with us. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing a little bit more from you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So the first thing I would like to know is how has COVID-19 affected Baltimore and your church and your community? Have you had um, a lot of cases? Have you had quite a, um, you know, exposure to the COVID-19? Absolutely. Well, first, just want to thank you yes. both, Sue and Jason. You guys are amazing. Uh, our, when we were there two years ago now at your church, just the amazing things that God's doing at your church. Uh, we're, just, we're just excited to be a part of it. We're honored uh, to take this time to share with you all, just to catch up with our friends. Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, just grateful that we get to speak into your church. And so we're honored for that. And, um, and uh, we appreciate that. And uh, Irene, how's COVID? 
they, you can answer that. Just. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we've had, um, Maryland has had a lot of cases um, and has been affected, but since we've been on lock, lockdown, uh, we have noticed the trend, it's trending down. Yeah. So, um, you know, lockdown is working. So we're grateful for that. And um, the few people we do know that have been in our circle that have um, gotten COVID have recovered. Wow. So we are so, so grateful. One of our pastor friends um, in Baltimore City actually had it and was uh, yeah. in intensive care. It was a pretty critical situation, but God, mm. but wow. God. So we thank God for his healing power. And um, yeah, so it's been yeah, I think, I think the thing about COVID, what it's done, just not just nationally or in cities, just all over the world, it's just, it's leveled the playing field. Mm -hmm. yeah. like all of us are, are dealing with the same thing. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, your family makeup or your church size or uh, whatever, like everyone is dealing with the same thing. And, uh, and so it's, it's really, uh, it's really great to see couples, other couples and you guys taking the time to do things like this because it's helping everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, sorry, and I um, wanted to check um, the lockdown, quarantine, um, how is it affecting families and um, especially people, are, are people actually um, unemployed because of COVID-19 in your church community and how is that affecting them? Yeah, I think um, as far as, you know, the lockdown, I think it's really, it's been a magnifier if you will, it's really caused us to focus in on our families, to focus in on our finances, to look at where every penny is being spent because many people have lost their jobs. Uh, many people, there's been pay cuts. Um, you know, the, the, just the, if you will, the collateral damage of, of homeschool at home and people working at home at the same time and balancing that, especially if you have younger children, you know, I just had a conversation with one of our staff members of bringing his kids into the solution, getting them to make a sign that says dad is at work. Uh, and then, you know, when, when he's available, um, when he's not available, they'll, they'll, they actually made the sign. So they get to be a part of that. And then when he's available, he'll take the sign down. And then also encouraging him uh, and his family to take an hour of lunch every day even though it takes them 15 minutes to eat, just to have family time in the middle of the day. And so I think uh, with, with the limitations, uh, when, when you lean into the limit is when uh, you'll find yourself most creative. Uh, and I think that God is in this season is literally creativity is just opening up. Like, how do I do marriage in this season? What creative ideas can we do for date night? You know, for us, it's just as creative. What are we going to cook that's different? Because yeah. we're cooking every night, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how are we going to manage our children? Uh, we have three, you know, 19, 17, and 14, and they all have homeschool. So, like, where do they do that at? Mm -hmm. You know, and so um, it's been, it's, I, I think it's, 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 it's tragic for many people, and I want to acknowledge that, that people have lost loved ones, and uh, it's real. Mm -hmm. um, but also in, in this, I think God's using this as a unique opportunity uh, for us to really focus on what we should have been focused on. Uh, I was looking at Psalms uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Ah. And I think many of us need to be made to just be still. Yeah, that's good. 
Guys, I saw that you did a, a webinar, um, I think, two weeks ago, um, Spiritual First Aid, along with some other, as far as I'm concerned, some of the biggest, most influential names in the Christian world, really. uh, which again, just says something about the voice that I think God's given to mm -hmm. you guys. Um, but I do think that you uh, have a fairly unique way in speaking into emotional health and just being pretty raw, pretty real about, about your own lives, uh, your own mental health, your emotional health, your relationship. Um, if I remember correctly, I think you guys are, are similar to us. You've been married for just over 20 years. I think you celebrated yeah. last year, right? So, yeah. so, so bearing that in mind, uh, <laughs> ha has anything been intensified during, during your lockdown? Uh, have you learned any extra special lessons just being in each other's space the whole time? I don't know. You go ahead. You go um, I'd say yes. What I, what I talked about is uh, leveling the playing field, and I'm just going to use my Jimmy way, and that's why uh, Sue and I are like a lot alike in this. Life just sucks right now in, 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 in times for us all. Um, and so, uh, you know, some of the difficulties is, is you need space. And so, you know, um, where do we just – we've just been – one of the things that we've been doing is just vocalizing exactly what we feel. Mm -hmm. uh, but doing it around laughter. So uh, we'll, we've, we've said, hey, can you quarantine that attitude? Um, or can you quarantine that those rolling of the eyes? Yeah. Um, and so what it's done is we've just put kind of laughter around it, uh, yeah. which has taken the, the sting mm -hmm. off of the reality of moody. We're here, yes. we're real, we're human. Mm -hmm. It's moody at times. Mm -hmm. uh, it's real at times, and um, and also we've been intentional about uh, turning off the TV and just having family moments of just talking together, playing games, just making light of you know, especially when we're feeling heavy. Yeah, it's like we got to laugh. Yeah, insert laughter here. <laughs> and Jimmy's okay at that, hey? I think you do all right at bringing some laughter into the situation. Yeah, oh yeah, I make fun of people really easy. <laughs> We haven't experienced that at all. <laughs> my, kids, my kids say, we're going to need counseling um, when we move out of the house, how much you joke on us. You got to have thick skin to be a Rollins. You got to have thick skin. But we have fun. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think you have to have a thick skin just living together. But obviously, um, as we've experienced, with all of the added stress, that's come with having to suddenly do church like none of us have ever experienced before. Uh, there are no books that we can glean from. So there is stress in not only figuring out how to do church um, online in every aspect. It's, it was, it's almost like rediscovering how to be a Christian in a whole different way. But now with, you know, just talking about your emotional health and yeah. coping with that stress. Um, what are you guys doing to process the stress in, this, in the sense of um, keeping healthy, exercising, um, eating healthy? I know we, we find that quite difficult. Um, yeah, do you, have, have you found that quite helpful? Yes. So we started out, we joke about it. We call it the, um, the COVID-19. <laughs> like literally everyone is fighting not to put on 19 pounds or above. <laughs> And um, so the first couple of weeks we were snacking like crazy yeah. and we were emotionally eating. 
And um, so in terms of emotional health, we had to become aware, like, oh my gosh, we are packing on the pounds as a family. So switching up our regimen of eating, um, cooking, obviously every day, but cooking the healthier meals and everybody starts feeling better when we do that. Yeah. Um, and we do have our snacks and we do have our ice cream, which is my favorite, but we just, it's planned. You know what I mean? It's not every day. Um, we're outside a lot. We're yeah. Yeah. gardening we have never gardened in our lives okay i'm like a horticulturist i don't you even know? know the word it's like i'm trying to figure out you know i got a black thumb but it's like green right now <laughs> green thumb anyway so we planted trees we planted flowers lavender out there um gosh we've got a basketball hoop we're outside playing basketball with the kids we take walks in the neighborhood um, all of that helps the mood. Yeah. So um, it's it's critical to us being emotionally healthy. And then like Jimmy said, get having space. We all kind of find a corner and have alone time. And then we have the together time. Um, but then my alone time with God is critical. I'm the, I typically am the first one up. I like the house quiet and I do my devotions and that's how I start my day. If I don't have that, I don't think, uh, like it's just not a good day. It's a, it's a day where, um, I get moody and, really? um, <laughs> and we have this joke where we'll just interrupt each other and say, COVID, COVID, because it reminds us to laugh and like lighten up and that our, check our mood. We got to check That's our mood. So good. <laughs> We've definitely learned something new. <laughs> We're going to stop blaming it on COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, my my big takeaway from this season has been affirmations. Yeah. So I've just been in the word and when fear and anxiety have been rising up, I have just several scriptures that I just say right away. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understandings and all my ways I'll acknowledge him and he will direct my path. Like my path. I, I have to, yeah. I absolutely have to, to switch and turn my brain from the negative thinking um, and I've been, one new thing I've been doing is I've been, uh, uh, praying the names of God out loud. And that in the first couple weeks of COVID was huge for my spiritual health and my emotional health. I just had to declare who he is, yeah. um, over the earth, over my house. And that something like a strength has rose up out of me when I did that. So. I love that. I feel like this might be a good excuse to do a plug for freedom. You guys have done the, the freedom curriculum at your church, right? Yes. yes. Can, can you just tell our people that haven't done freedom yet why they should join a freedom group next time we offer? Because I feel like so much of what you've described is, is part of the power mm. of, of the freedom curriculum. That's true. Well, let's see. Number one, you should join freedom because you're bound. Um, I think that's... <laughs> That's, that's like number one, we all need freedom. Um, because the things that we've tried to satisfy the inner yearnings and the inner wounds and the traumas in our heart have not worked. Um, and I think in this season, it has magnified the stress. It has magnified the emotional unhealth. It has magnified the issues uh, and they've been brought to the surface. And I don't think that I would want to go through another season for things to come to the surface and me to push them back down and suppress them and then not deal with them. So I think like coming out of this would be a great time uh, to go through freedom and, and let the Lord minister to your soul. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's I appreciate so good, that. Yeah. I want to shift gears uh, for a few moments. When, when we first met, um, 
when I was driving you guys around Cape Town and it was only within a few hours that I felt like there was quite a, quite a connection and a chemistry. We were talking about emotionality, spirituality and the Enneagram and just some other stuff. And, uh, very quickly I, yeah, I learned. And then since then, I feel like that's been proven, but I felt that you guys are one of the most honest, open, uh, raw, vulnerable pastors that I've ever met. And, and I feel like it's a gift to the body of Christ. Um, I loved how you guys shared quite a bit at our team night um, when you were down, just about some of the stuff that you guys have gone through personally over the last few years. Would you be willing to share a little bit about that and just some of the, the principles and the lessons that, that you guys have discovered and how that's helped rescue and renew your marriage, your family, your ministry? Sure. You want to? Sure. Okay. Um, so we, we've been married 20 years and we all, we, the standing joke right now is that, uh, it's been great for the past five, <laughs> 15 of those years were pretty much, um, not good. It was tough. It was, um, battling. It was unhappiness. It was just dissatisfaction individually in ourselves as and then in our marriage. So we were like, um, without even knowing it, we were trauma triggering reacting. each other, re trauma reacting off of each other all the time because we had all these undealt with issues um, of whether it was trauma from our childhood, family of origin, things that were, um, were battling each other without even really knowing how to identify or articulate it. That's why people need to get into freedom so yeah. that can, can begin to peel back those layers so we kind of had to hit rock bottom before things started turning up. And um, when we started the church, we were both not in a place emotionally, um, we were not healthy. So, and we were very unaware of our internal world and how it impacted mm. our external world. So that lack of awareness um, led to medicating. Jimmy's drug of choice was food and mine was um, wine and alcohol. And my dependency on alcohol grew over a six year period, kind of without me even knowing it. Yeah. Um, it snuck up on me for lack of a better word, because I didn't realize that, whoa, and it, um, alcohol is an addictive substance. And I didn't realize that the more you drank, the more dependent you get. And it sent me into, um, if I was already emotionally unhealthy, it got a hundred times worse, obviously the fighting, the dysfunction in our relationship was horrendous. And this is while trying desperately to lead a church that God was blowing up. We were impacting the community, doing amazing things for God, but we were suffering yeah. in secret at home. And um, I ended up in rehab in 2015. And I always like, I like to say rehab was the best thing that, and hitting rock bottom was the best thing that ever happened to me. The hardest thing, but the best thing because our family began to face the reality of who we are. It's like um, recovery kind of put a mirror in front of my face and said, this is who you really are sure. and it's time to deal. And God's grace has been with us as we've peeled back layers and dealt with each um, uh, layer of our recovery, both you know personally and then together as a family. So my, I'm four and a half years sober actually today. So I celebrate that. Yes. And um, let's go. And my husband is 150 pounds yeah, lighter. I'll say 150 pounds. <laughs> it didn't creep up on me. It was heavy yes. every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, just that now we are we make our emotional health a priority. Um, we heal together as a family. Um, they, you know, addiction is a family disease. Yeah. And Jimmy was the co-addict in our uh, relationship. And I was the co-addict in, in his addiction to food. I enabled him. And um, so just now being able to go to rehab, not everybody can go to rehab and get the tools that we learn. So we like to, sh that's why we feel so compelled to share our story of um, freedom and putting in the work to get free. Um, it doesn't just happen. Our story wasn't spontaneous sobriety. It just wasn't. God can do that though. He, I'm not saying God can't, you know, give some of us spontaneous sobriety, but even with that, in order to stay, um, if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on relapse. That's what I believe. So say that again. Um, if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on your relapse. Wow. So you, I have to keep in, in front of my face all the tools um, that, to, that uh, I learned in rehab to stay sober. So that means self-care, emotional health, going to counseling. I'm part of um, community. So I have my AA community, but I'm in small groups at my church. Jimmy's in small groups. He's got his support system. Um, we do counseling together, the family healed together doing family counseling so um that's been huge incredible I, <clears throat> I don't know if people appreciate the the spiritual and psychological power and social emotional power of uh confession transparency mm -hmm. being vulnerable um jimmy i know you've spoken before about just the power of friends do you want to maybe just just chat into that a little bit you know people that have been there for you and and the difference it made where you were willing to be open yeah, I think, uh, you know, having a circle of friends is biblical, it's scriptural. Uh, love God, love people. Uh, I think the enemy works in division. Um, and if we, you know, in scripture it talks about a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, a city divided against itself, but it also always, it narrows it all the way down to the house. Um, and so I think it's in, it's in our houses and in our communities uh, that we have to work on, you know, relationship building. Uh, so that those relationships can build us emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, you know, it says confess your sins to God and you may be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And I think many of us have stopped just because we're forgiven, uh, but we're forgiven but not healed because we have fractures in relationships on earth. Yeah. And so I think it's... Um, you know, we're just better together. It's not a coined phrase. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens the countenance of his friend. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, if we're going to sharpen one another, we're going to have to be okay with sparks flying a little bit yeah. uh, and fractures and mm -hmm. relationships flying a little bit. Uh, but I've come to find out that any relationship worth, worth its salt uh, has gone through tough seasons and tough times. And man, the I would not be where I am today without people in my life, yeah. um, without my pastors, without friends, without mm -hmm. my circle of accountability. Uh, accountability, uh, if I had to give you a, a thought, my one thought on accountability is you need to have someone in your, in your life that knows uh, what God created you to be and also knows what you're capable of being without God. Wow. And, and I need people that know both of those. So if they see me slipping or they see me having a human moment they can say hey man 
uh, you know, that's not you. That's not who God created you to be. So uh, relationships are key. And if you don't have them, like isolation, like I, I told Irene this and I church this, there's nothing like living with nothing to hide. Wow. wow. That's true freedom. Mm -hmm. True freedom is there's nothing like living with nothing to hide. And so if you talk about it, the enemy can't expose you. Yeah. And if you are telling someone about it, he has nothing to remind you about. Yeah. And so I can lay my head on the pillow at night knowing that I ain't got nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, other than my gut and my lack of abs, you know, um, and, and a good Spanx, a good Spanx uh, undergarment takes uh -uh. care of that. But, uh, you know, that's life and it takes friends, it takes relationships. I, I actually remember you saying uh, at that first art conference that you came down for, where you guys were together, you spoke about uh, five principles, transparency, vulnerability, accountability, intimacy, authenticity. Do you, do you remember those off the top of your head? Could you, could you give us a one-liner for those? Otherwise, I can help you if you need. So here's what you can do. Yeah. Why don't you help me with that? Because I don't have them. I so number one, you said transparency is what I let you see. Yes. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability, you said, is what I let you know. God cannot cover what you will not uncover. Number three, you said accountability is what I let you hold. So I love that. And intimacy is when you embrace me. And authenticity, when I have nothing to hide. That's so good. Uh, who said that again? And can you text that to me? Because I oh, forgot I said that. <laughs> That was a great sermon. No, I need, I need that again because uh, yeah. I have a Zoom call today, another call that I'm going to need that on. And yeah. I'm going to reclaim that in Jesus' name. <laughs> and that's good principles, but it's, that's what we live by. Yeah. We live by that. And it's mm. that transparency and vulnerability with friends yeah. that led our friends to help us get the help we needed. Yeah. Um, I grew up in, an, uh, so I was born in Zambia, actually, and um, the, the household I grew up in, we very much had the no talk rule. And I don't know if it's customary in South Africa, but, or if it's just families <laughs> here in the U.S., but I, I think I would venture to say that it's all of us who go through um, family of origin, no talk rule things, like because of shame don't, you know, we cover up things. We don't want to talk about things. And, but when we, you know, I, I love that we've broken through that yeah. in my family. And it was in our, it started in our friendships. I remember being like, Jimmy, how do you talk to people so <laughs> openly, candidly? He'll share anything and say anything. And um, like, it's, it's crazy that our counselor was like, Irene, it's called honesty. Try it sometime. And I'm like, so the more I practice at being vulnerable and transparent and sharing my authentic self, I'm not exhausted. It's exhausting hiding. Yes. It's exhausting mm -hmm. trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah. So walking in freedom, once again, if people get into freedom and allow God to do that process in them, yeah. you're going to get to live and experience joy in the land of the living that right. you've Psalm 27 that you, you never even imagined you could experience. Yeah. And it's like the intimacy that we've experienced in our marriage, our relationship with God, it all like it started with 
that transparency, that honesty, that like getting honest. Like I got honest with God and I'm like, dude, I God, I don't know who I am outside of what I do. I have medicated all my pain from my past with alcohol. Help me. And then when I finally acknowledged it before God, the healing that came to our relationship when I confessed that to my husband, like I have a problem with alcohol. I've been medicating. And it just, it freed us. It freed Mm -hmm. us tremendously. And now my husband cares for that in Mm -hmm. me because I've been vulnerable and transparent with me, with him. He holds it. Like in that accountability, he holds it with such care. God's given him the capacity to hold my humanity with such care and compassion and grace. I have experienced the love of Jesus Christ through my husband, through his unconditional love of me, through all my mess and my humanity and my yuck. So... Um, Irene, just to uh, go back to what you were saying earlier on about um, needing to do the work, very Mm -hmm. often people want the quick fix. They don't want to go through the process. But unfortunately, the process is the most important part because um, it is putting one foot in front of the other and it is allowing our character to develop. And when you were at ARC, you shared about your time on Mount Kilimanjaro. Don't you just want to share for a few minutes on that? Sure. Um, so I had the opportunity to climb Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro. It was um, honestly one of, it was right before, it was in 2013. It was um, a year or two before I went to rehab. And I felt like God was preparing me for what was going to be my Kilimanjaro when I got home, which was facing my addiction and needing to go into recovery. And while I was climbing that mountain, let me tell you, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done hardest thing just like recovery was it has been the hardest thing like it was ugly it was messy um we couldn't take showers while we were up on that mountain had to use the restroom outside i mean not the funnest experience uncomfortable it was complete uncomfortable sleeping on a little mat outside in the elements it got so cold um, I was out of breath at times, like from the altitude where I did felt like I couldn't breathe. And that's how my recovery has been sometimes. I felt like if I touched pain in certain areas, I felt like I was going to die, literally, like it took my breath away. But, but God, um, because on the, the mountain, when we were summiting, you start at midnight and you start climbing, there's, you have 50% less oxygen. It's pitch black. It's below freezing. It's so windy. The only light you have is the light from your headlamp on your feet, directly on your feet. And um, I remember our guide, we were assigned an individual guide to help coach us up the mountain because it was gonna, took eight hours to get to the top um, from midnight to eight in the morning. And he would say, pole, pole, slowly, slowly, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, one day at a time has been my recovery. One step at a time towards freedom. Um, and if you, they, they would say on the mountain, uh, respect the mountain. Don't go too fast because you'll get sick. And I remember some of the guides, they were supposed to be there to help us. And they were on the mountain vomiting, getting altitude sickness because they went too fast. Like, so we as even leaders, what that tells me is we as leaders, we as the ones who are supposed to be coaching people, if we go too fast, we don't take care of ourselves. We have to slow down and we got to respect the mountain and respect that recovery is not 
cute, neat packaged up. It's a process. It takes time. One step in, one step at a time. Pole pole in Swahili means slowly, slowly. So I'm grateful for that experience. You better preach, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to answer the altar call right now. <laughs> Just so you know, that, that phrase has stuck with me since you guys were first in South Africa. Just that idea of do the work, do the work. Just do it slowly, sure. take one step at a time. Um, and even as you've been sharing now, I feel like... Uh, feel like so much of what you're talking about is developing a muscle so developing an ability to be born mm-hmm. developing an ability to to be honest and and there's pain involved hey? there's there's yeah. Yeah. you don't know if people are going to hold what you're sharing mm-hmm. you know with with dignity and and grace um, so maybe Jimmy just even in closing uh, I don't know if you have a, a final encouragement to people that are listening to this right now that are actually dealing with with secret baggage with secret stuff maybe they're even in a, a small group um but it's very surface very surfacey is there anything that that you'd want to just encourage uh people with sort of as a final thought or comment about just the the value i mean you've you've taken big risks so as someone who is very public uh you you've in my opinion you guys have taken massive risks in being as real and as honest as you've been so maybe just a final encouragement and maybe you guys can just pray for uh for those tuning in absolutely well i'm excited about this season with covid because you know we get to bring jesus home Mm -hmm. and and church uh you know church doesn't start when service starts church is now when there is no service and I think it's highlighted in, I believe, Mark chapter two, the guy uh, who was paralyzed and he was a paralytic on a mat. Uh, and the Bible says that Jesus was at, and theologians say that it's Peter's house. I love the picture that Jesus is in a home. I love the picture that revival has, been, has broken out in a house. And, and now we have to figure out a way uh, to get paralyzed people to Jesus. And what those four friends, so I want to encourage you that when you acknowledge your paralysis, God will send your people. When you acknowledge your paralysis, God will send your people. And people who won't drop you, people who will encourage you, people who will call you, people who will uh, get you to a higher place in Jesus. And I love the picture that when they got this guy, these four friends, back to the house where Jesus was, they then ripped the roof off. And what they says is, they said, we'll do anything it takes to get you to Jesus. And I love the innovation of church in this season that is saying, we'll do anything it takes, not just to get you to Jesus, but to ensure that Jesus is in your house. And so we have to rip the, 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 the mindset of limiting Jesus to a church building. We have to rip, uh, rip off the, the, the mindset of, of, uh, of that we need a priest and a preacher uh, to bring Jesus to us. Uh, we, we, we are now understanding that we are the priests and the pastors of our own homes. Yes. Uh, and what I don't want is... Jesus to cause a house to be full, but the house ain't full of Jesus. And so I'm asking God to fill my house with his presence in this season so that healing can take place in my children. Healing can take place 
in my wife. Healing can take, in the power of that uh, passage of scripture and the importance of people in your life, Jesus looks at the guy and then looks at the four friends. And he says to the four friends that your faith has made this guy well. Not the faith of the guy on the mat, but the faith of the four friends, which lets me know that in this season, God could have four friends surrounding me that have faith, or I can be the friend for somebody else's faith, which tells me that friends are a big part of my future. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about that because at the end of this whole passage, this guy, he's off the mat, and I believe in this season uh, that you're going to be healed, that you're going to be set free, that you're going to be delivered, but I want you to know that you cannot leave that mat down, you can't throw it away, that God is going to use your greatest misery and turn it into your greatest ministry, and you're going to have a testimony that people are talking about, that people are going to say, if God can do it in your life, he can do it in my life. So be bold about your story, be bold about your paralysis, and God will turn your paralysis into purpose, and you're going to draw other people to the freeing power of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that you stay in the game. I pray that you keep fighting. I pray that you do the work. I pray that you submit to your pastors and honor the anointing that is on the house of your church. I pray that God would visit your house in this season. And I just want to pray for you um, right now that, that you grasp that thought, that you embrace your limitations so that you can be creative to find how God wants to minister to you in this season. Father, I thank you for Jason and Sue. I thank you for their church. I thank you for their family. Father, I thank you for the favor that is on their lives. God, I thank you for the anointing and the presence of God. God, that we are able to team up with you to change the world, that you use people like us. Father, we acknowledge our limitations. We acknowledge our emotional uh, issues. We acknowledge our physical and our mental issues. And Father, we pray, God, that there would be revival in us first. God, we know that you want to do something through us. But God, let us not neglect the process of doing something in us. But Father, as a body of believers, we stand on 2 Chronicles 7.14 in this season that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn and repent from their wicked ways, your promises, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. Father, I pray that you heal the land of our minds, that you heal the land of our hearts, that you heal the land of our souls, that you heal the land of our nation and our world, our continents. Father, just do a revival. Release revival in this world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.